Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 366. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the new Netflix comedy, The Lovebirds. So hopefully, hopefully feeling better by checking out a comedy. Lighten the mood a bit in these dark times. We'll also be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list and new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be super helpful. Just two bits of housekeeping to go over today. There will not be a Ryan Watches a Movie. No Ryan Watches a Movie this week. Uh, this was actually my fault this week. I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't get it together. I couldn't get it together to yeah. record. So that's, that's my bad. But we should be back next week with uh, with a brand new one. Honestly... I'm not going to get into it, but something happened with Ryan too. So I don't think we would have been recording anyway. No, it's, it, it wasn't going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it compiled on itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right after I said, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it. Something it was happened. an update. <laughs> yeah. Something happened with Ryan. <laughs> and it worked out for the best, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, there will be a new say by the nineties dropping this week i think i'm going to drop it on tuesday Uh, as i mentioned last week we talk about tv adaptations including the casper movie the flintstones mission impossible and tales from the dark side the movie oh yeah 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 we also talk about the the flipper tv series from the 90s starring jessica alba so check that out uh, I think we can jump into our review. This week we're talking about the Lovebirds. This is directed by Michael. Lovebirds. My, directed by Michael Showalter. I did not know that, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> directed by Michael Showalter. I have a synopsis here. A couple experiences a defining moment in their relationship when they are unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery. This stars Issa Rae and Kamal Nanjiani. I guess I'll start it off this week. So this was a movie that was going to be in theaters. It was supposed to be in theaters like several months ago. And because of COVID, it got bumped. And then Netflix picked it up and, and put it out this this weekend. It was supposed to be in theaters April 3rd, actually, according to this. Uh, so it got dropped on Netflix. And I got to say, like... Netflix seems like it sh- this is where this movie should have lived f- from the mm-hmm. beginning because to me, <laughs> yeah to me this was a very standard Netflix comedy where it it's mm-hmm. uh, it's light it is mildly amusing but there is like absolutely no staying power on this movie mm-hmm. at least for, at least for me whatsoever like it was just it came in it came into my life, it left, and by the end of the year, I'll forget every single thing about this movie. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, 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 it found its home. Netflix is, <laughs> it's like a perfect Netflix movie. And the weird thing, though, to me is, I don't know how, I'm just as surprised in what I'm about to say. Because for some reason, at some point, I saw the movie Date Night with Steve Carell and Tina Fey. I mm-hmm. don't know if you remember that movie. I do, yeah. I saw, kind of the same thing. I saw it in the theater, actually. I remember... Oh, okay. This this, this movie is that movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like the same fucking movie. 
it's pretty much like the same thing beat for beat just about it feels like even with the whole you know like they break into an apartment that they think is empty and what uh-uh, it's not empty there's people in there people there it wasn't i mean i'm i'm not gonna say that the movie was all bad i think that the I think that Issa Rae and Kamel Nanjiani are two very, very funny people, and I really liked their dynamic. I thought that they they played off of each other very well, and I I, I bought them as a couple, and I really enjoyed their their banter. And so I think that like casting wise, I think this this was a good choice. It's just that the overall narrative here for me it was just really uneventful like i felt like yeah. i've just seen so much of this before that nothing was really compelling about it to me well and that's the difficult thing with this with this storyline i mean you know going into it that they're going to be fine obviously you know what i mean like it's not going to take a like tragic turn or anything so you you have an idea from the outset of how this is going to play out right so really the only thing you're looking for is some comedy, you know, from point A to point B. Hopefully there's a decent amount of comedy in between those two points, right? And there just isn't for me. Like, it's not that it's not funny, but I don't know if there was ever truly a, like a hilarious sequence in this movie. It's just a bunch of stuff that occasionally made me chortle. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And then I completely forgot within like five, ten minutes. Same. Yeah. I mean, there weren't any like super memorable lines or, or you know, set pieces or anything like that. It was all, to me, it was all like mildly amusing. And like the like the scene, the one scene that I thought was really funny, uh, unfortunately, was in the trailer, and that was the scene when they get like kidnapped by the the couple, and he has to choose between the bacon grease or what's behind the door. And unfortunately, yeah, that's that's in the trailer. So yeah, eh. and even like I said, where you know the, you know exactly where this is going to end up, but like there was no, not even like a hint of a surprise or. Like trying to do anything interesting whatsoever with that storyline. Like they're just like, okay, this is this is our storyline. Let's just we'll take a step down the line. And we'll just get to the end of this. It's like there was like nothing put into it at all. I also liked the uh, the the uh, eyes wide shut scene. Like that was funny, but again, a big portion of that was spoiled in the trailer. So, yeah, and it's just, it feels really, really lazy too, in the sense that you have that build up to them getting to that eyewise shut scene, which that whole set piece is very, very short. And then, like, after that, it's just the cops, you know, just being like, hey, we just, we just need your help. And it's just like, what? N- none of this. It feels realistic in any way, shape, or form. And not that it needs to be realistic. Obviously, it's a comedy. But it's just so, like, it's just so incredibly lazy to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels so, like, the paint-by-numbers. We've seen this yeah. just so many times before. It's all very telegraphed. And, I mean, even even when you look at sort of the 
overarching themes here with with the two of them uh they they, they're broken up at the beginning of the movie like they're not together and we know where this is going to go you know this 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 uh traumatic series of events is going to bring them closer together and make them realize that they still love each other and all of that so you you knew everything that was going to happen it was just so utterly predictable and, mm-hmm. and I think as a result, even though you have two strong leads in this who are inherently funny people, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily save this from feeling just sort of mediocre. Yeah. And it also, it doesn't feel like they were given enough room to really, you know, kind of do anything comedy wise. They just felt really like boxed in by the storyline that no one cares about. We just want comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't give a shit. We know what's going to happen. Either, like as soon as it's, as soon as it, you know, the cards are laid out on the table, you're like, I know exactly how this ends. So let's just do some good comedy, please. I did like the scene when they were talking about the bad boys song and Kamal Nanjiani goes, we're the bad boys. What are we going to do? I think my favorite part is the, or the thing that I found the funniest was his, um, the milkshake container. Cause I've often wondered that too. Oh yeah. Like, why do they always make more milkshake? Like, <laughs> I just don't understand. How is there not just like a standard size milkshake container maker? And that's what you get. Like, how do they not match up to the, the glass that's served? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. It seems unnecessary. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, it's on Netflix. Everybody already has Netflix. It's You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> There's not much else to watch. So, maybe give it a look. Just don't expect, don't, just don't expect more than a standard Netflix comedy. I, yeah. I maybe I made the mistake of having sort of an ele- a little bit of uh, elevated expectations for this just because I knew that it was originally going to be a theatrical release and then put on Netflix. So I kind of thought maybe it'll be a little bit different, but no. Well, and that's what I thought too, is that coupled with Israel and Nanjani, right? Like, oh, this is going to be good. And then like right before I hit play on this thing, I realized that Michael Showalter is the director I'm like, oh, this might actually be something, but it's it's not. It's it's not. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, fortunately, it's not. Not at all. Just a just a massive bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's give the Lovebirds a score. We're gonna give it out of ten. Really, like four and a half. Yeah, it's kind of right around where I'm sitting. Uh, right around a five for this. Just. It, it's yeah, it's one of those things where you know, it's like it's like an hour and a half long, right? So it's brisk, got that brisk runtime. I'll say that I didn't hate my hour and a half with it, but I'm also not going to remember that hour and a half. Exactly. Yeah, I mean it, it's already leaving yeah, my mind. I pretty at this much. Point. <laughs> I pretty much just remember the milkshake thing. <laughs> That's what, that's what I got. 
And the only re- the only reason I remember the bad boys thing is because I wrote it down because I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, so there we go. That's the Lovebirds, and that is on Netflix now. So you can check that out. Let's move on and talk about someone we're watching. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. That might have been the the shortest. I know. I mean, I just I <laughs> I have so little to say about it. I know. There's nothing to it. Like there's. There's no cinematography. There's no. Yeah, there's not I, a whole lot of comedy. The, the, the only like, oh, this joke was great. The only thing that I really wanted to highlight was the the rapport that Issa Rae and Kamal Nanjiani had, and I did that right at the beginning. So that's yeah. it. That's it. That's yeah. all I got. <laughs> the only thing I wanted to point out was I was like, "This is pretty much that movie date night." It is. I didn't even. Steve <laughs> I really didn't even think about that. But it is very much like date night. It was just funny because I was like, at the beginning stages of the movie, I'm like, hey, this is kind of like date night. And then they break into that apartment or whatever. And I'm like, this, this is, is date a night. lot like date night. <laughs> this is date night. Wait a minute. Did they remake date night? <laughs> did they just reboot it with different people? Oh, man. Well, I didn't watch a whole lot. And actually, I'm gonna, one that I kind of forgot to talk about with you is Sucker Punch. Did we talk, did I talk about Sucker Punch with you? No. I can't remember. Yeah. No, I, we de- I, I definitely would have remembered if you, if you <laughs> mentioned I, Sucker I Punch. So. <laughs> oh my God. This, I have to know what you thought of Sucker Punch. Uh, I didn't really like it. I mean, I, I don't I'm think shocked. that's a huge surprise. Um, I actually, I think it, there's enough here for me to like it. But this maybe does, you know, a number one thing that I can't stand, which is like one one musical track to another musical track to another musical track where it just it feels like it just plays out like a music video. And the music that is in this movie is so bad. It's it's all these terrible covers. I remember like Oh boy! I don't remember any. Ooh. The only one that I remember is I think they did a cover of "Where's My Mind." Yes, and it's terrible. Uh, that, and they that's... do a cover of Jeff- Jefferson Airplane's uh, "White Rabbit," which is also really, really terrible. Because they're all those like emo, mm-hmm. you know, brand of of covers where they slow down a little bit, and it just it's terrible. And again, it's it just it hops from one terrible cover to another terrible cover to another terrible cover. And it's never like, it never gives me time to just be in a movie really. Like there's always this terrible soundtrack playing except for when they do a Bjork song, which it was the only song that worked and it wasn't a cover. It was like, yeah, just use the original song or find something better, please. But I mean, it did have some interesting stuff in there. It's just I couldn't get past that. I can't get past that. I hate it all the time. Mm-hmm. It always ruins the movie for me. It also didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Gotta be honest. Yeah, I uh, I remember not liking it. I remember finding some of the visuals to be striking, but that's pretty much the extent of my yeah. thoughts on it. I. Remember yeah. not being a big fan of it. There's some. There's a lot of people that really love Sucker Punch. I think it's sort of, sort of a cult movie in a lot of ways. And I can kind of see that. Like you know, I can see it. 
Year, it's not terrible. Years ago, there was, I can't even remember who did it, and I apologize, but there was a video essay released on Sucker Punch, and, uh, like, it was this really deep dive into all of the the hidden meanings and all of this stuff and all of the this this really deep interpretation of Sucker Punch, and it was really kind of fascinating, and I don't for a minute believe that that was Zack Snyder's intention, but, no. <laughs> but, but that interpretation was like just really interesting. Yeah. It's always fun when people do that because you know, 90% of it is just complete projection, which is, like <laughs> which is, which I think is, is great. You know, if somebody takes yeah, away, if somebody takes away a really um, deeper meaning in a, in a movie than, than what was originally intended, I think that's, that's a bonus. No, oh, yeah, because I mean that's going to happen in everything. Yeah, uh, I saw a lot of stuff this week. Actually, um, I, I oh boy, I know that I was like on a dry spell there for a while, but I, I really kind of kicked things into high gear this week. Uh, I, I started it off with a movie called Inheritance. This is directed by Vaughn Stein. I have a review for this up on the site. Uh, this came out this week on VOD. It stars Lily Collins and Simon Pegg, and Simon Pegg. In a dramatic role, if you look at the uh, letterbox listing, you can see Simon Pegg sitting there with this this really awful wig that he wears in the movie. So, uh, the, the, this is essentially it's about this really wealthy family, and the 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 father, the patriarch of the family, dies, and he leaves his son a whole bunch of money, like millions of dollars. He leaves his wife a whole bunch of money millions of dollars but he only leaves his daughter one million dollars and they they think that's odd but it turns out that she's like the manhattan district attorney which by the way she's like 27 years old and you're the manhattan district attorney like that not believing that for a second but uh so he he leaves her a million dollars but he also leaves her this like a key to this bunker that's on their vacation property and when she goes down into the bunker she discovers simon Pegg in there and he's been trapped in there for 30 years so the so the movie is about lily collins figuring out who this man is why her dad trapped him down there for 30 years and what to do with him like does she let him go does she call the cops what does she just leave him there and so it has a somewhat of an intriguing premise, but it doesn't go anywhere with it. And by the end, it just that like the final act completely ruins the movie. It turns into this really standard thriller and it sort of undermines everything about the movie up to that point. They were it was up to, up to that final act. It felt like almost this critique on wealth. And, you know, you have this family who. Their, their dad was like a big finance guy and then she's this powerful DA and then her brother is a congressman. So they have this like sort of this untouchable quality to them where they, they can get away with anything because they, they have so much money and they can just pay off whoever and they have all these connections and stuff. And it, it the final act just undoes all of that and turns into this like bog standard thriller. And none of it really works. To me, it all felt like a like a bad version of um, Succession, the HBO show. And it was just uh, 
really disappointing. Um, Simon Pegg in a dramatic role didn't really work. You know, sometimes it works for, for our comedic actors who make the switch over to drama. And in this case, uh, it did not work in his favor. Yeah. Like I, I pulled up letterbox cause I was intrigued by this wig thing and just, just seeing him right mm-hmm. here. I'm just like, I have a feeling that that doesn't work. Nope. It doesn't do- look like it's going to work. I will say that Lily Collins is great in it. She does a really great job, but that's really the only positive thing I can say about it. Wow. And obviously the the poster is completely biting off of 13 Cloverfield Lane. It sure is. Wow. How about that? Uh, The only other thing I saw is Take Me Somewhere Nice, which is currently on Mubi right now. It's on Mubi. Uh, this is directed by Ina Cindy Javaric, and it's about, uh, it's like a road trip movie in a way, coming of age movie too, as well, with a couple of those genres mixed up in there. And, uh, Alma is, she lives in the Netherlands. Her father's in the hospital back in the home country of Bosnia. He's dying. So she decides to go to Bosnia and to visit him, and she's going to stay with her cousin while she's there. So it's kind of this, you know, going back to your home country. She's on the verge. You know how they always say on the verge of adulthood. Mm. And it's this <laughs> summer. She's going to take this, you know, she's got to figure out a way to get to the hospital because as soon as she gets to Bosnia, her cousin's just like, has no interest in her whatsoever. And just, you know, cold reception, doesn't want to do anything, doesn't want to be around her. So she's just kind of left stranded in Bosnia and she's got to figure it out. And of course, most of the things don't go as planned as, you know, they normally don't in these movies. Um, for the most part, it's pretty standard. Um, if you've seen enough of these movies, especially, you know, like the, the Euro art house take on them, there's not a whole lot going on. Um, the vibe of it feels very similar to, you know, like, um, like any of the European movies where there's not a whole lot of dialogue. There's some quirks in there, little, just slight touches of comedy, very, very subtle, very dry, that type of thing. The only thing that I will say is this is also, I should mention, this is a debut, but the, the work that the director does along with their cinematographer, uh, Emo Wiemhoff, throughout the entirety of this movie, every shot, pretty much every frame, every scene, sequence, what have you is visually interesting, very meticulous, very, you know, interesting shot choices, the way that they stage them, you know, the way that they block them and everything. And just on, on that side of things, visually speaking, it's definitely something that holds your interest for the entire runtime, which in turn makes up for the fact that the storyline of this, the, you know, the narrative portions of it are a little bit, you know, little bit well-worn and not entirely interesting on their own but for the most part the visuals make up for it enough that i definitely will check out more of what she has to come in the future and i will tell you this too um because you know the majority of the movie takes place in bosnia bosnia it got some interesting things going on lighting wise and a lot of the like their hotels and whatnot Got a lot of strange, like strobing, changing light, like mood lighting type thing, you know, 
like purples, purples and greens. It's very bizarre. That is take me somewhere nice. I did get an email. I don't know if you saw this from movie that they now have their oh, like yeah. full library open. And if so, if you're a member, you have access to this like massive library of like previously released titles on movie. I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to mention that and I completely forgot. And they have a lot of stuff on there too. Yeah. It's not just like, cause they originally had their, their, their section that you could, you know, rent from, but a lot of the stuff that showed up in the, you know, 30 days and then it goes, wouldn't make it to the library. Like the library was just like this certain selection and it just for the most part stayed the same. But the library that they have now with it being free, a lot of the stuff that, you know, got programmed through there is staying in and you can watch it. Yeah, I quickly browsed through it the other day and it's a pretty impressive lineup. So if you have movie, check it out. And I think that they do offer like a, a like a trial. So be sure to check out movie if you get a chance. If you're looking, if you're looking for some interesting things that you maybe never heard of. And did you happen to see that they have a trauma, a trauma section? Because <laughs> apparently some of the trauma movies got restored. I did not see that. I know that uh, trauma has a has a YouTube channel that they released like tons and tons of their movies. I think almost the whole trauma catalog is on YouTube, and like some of them wow. you, you can rent, some of them you have to rent, but there's a lot of ones that are free. Huh. Uh, okay, I saw. Body Cam. This is a movie that came out this week. Uh, it stars Nat Wolf and Mary J. Blige. It's a cop. It's a procedural. But the twist here is that there's a little bit of horror. There's a little bit of supernatural horror involved in it. You mm-hmm. you have this this plot where there's a a creature. There's someone killing cops, and Mary J. Blige is trying to figure out. Who's, who's killing these cops, like brutally, brutally murdering them, like ripping them open, spilling out their guts and all that stuff. Uh, the movie's not good. It is quite bad. <laughs> well, the, the, p- perhaps the funniest thing about this movie is the fact that in the synopsis, they spoil the ending of the movie. It's, which is, I don't understand why they would choose that synopsis but it pretty much get it pretty much just spoils the whole reason for the movie existing and i guess i'm not surprised it's not scary it's not scary it's very predictable um i can't recommend body cam so i would skip skip that one please skip over that Hmm. one another one that i could say pass on is fantasy island i finally saw the uh the blumhouse version of fantasy island directed by jeff wadlow oh boy is this one bad oh my god i didn't have high expectations for this i'm glad i didn't go to the theater waste my money see this because it is so awful just so so awful the funny thing about it is you know the the premise is you get this group of people and they're seemingly random but it's very obvious that there is some kind of connection. There's something going on here. These people aren't random and they go to this yeah. Island where one of their, their biggest fantasy 
it, it comes true. So you go to the island and like, like one guy, his fantasy was to be a soldier, and so, yeah, yeah. So it it's more it's deeper than that because like it, what it does is it takes the fantasy that they say and sort of goes beneath the surface and looks at like why the person wants that fantasy. So for the for the guy who wanted to be a soldier, it was because his dad was a soldier and he wanted to reconnect with his dad and he wanted to make his dad proud. So in his fantasy, he ends up meeting up with his dad and his dad's platoon. And as you might expect, things take a sinister turn when all their fantasies are sort of twisted a little bit and turn out to be very dangerous. Uh, Mm. But then, but then things get, things get a little more complex when you find out that like some of these people are in other people's fantasies. So like it was like part of my fantasy that you were, you were here and had this fantasy where this thing happened to you. So it's like, there's these like supposed layers to it. And then like, but it gets so ridiculous because you're just like, is it his fantasy? Is it his fantasy? Whose fantasy is this? Are we in, are we in this other fantasy now? And when you find out like how they're all connected, it's, it's uh, just really dumb. And uh, I, so I can't <laughs> definitely don't recommend fantasy Island. It it just doesn't work on any level. Uh, I saw two Coogans did a Coogan double bill this week. Oh boy. Yeah. I started with the trip to Greece, which is the fourth and supposedly final entry in the, in the trip series. I hope that's not the case. Yeah, I hope that's really not the case. I have a feeling that they didn't intend on doing four of these to begin with. Um, It's directed by Michael Winterbottom, who did all the other ones. Um, And I got to say, like, if you're not already, if you're not a fan of the trip series, this is, it's more of the same. It's Steve Coogan and Rob Ryden. They, they go to Greece. They're retracing um, this, this, the steps of uh, Ulysses. And if you didn't like any of the previous ones, you're probably not going to like this one. But I, as, as someone who really enjoys the trip movies just for how I don't, I don't know how to explain it. They're, they're funny. Yes. But there's like this sort of level of comfort I get from them. Like they, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's like a warm blanket, you know, there's just something, something about them that I really enjoy. And if you've watched all the other ones, you'll know that like as each one is released, they get progressively more somber. And this one is by far like the most dramatic of, of them all. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's actually kind of a big theme in this is the, the juxtaposition between tragedy and comedy and all of that stuff. And uh, I, I, I think that this is, probably my favorite of them all so far just just for the the final act and how they how they end it and it was surprisingly sad so i can definitely recommend the trip to greece the other movie that i watched with steve coogan was agreed and this came out i think it came out last year but i'm not i'm actually not really sure when this was released Mm. it's also directed by michael winterbottom and steve coogan plays this retail billionaire and 
it's about his how he's having his 60th birthday it also takes place in greece and uh, on top of that there is um one of the characters from this movie is in the trip to greece also and there's this kind of connection with both (laughs) with both movies sorry go ahead oh little multitask on greece yeah yeah so there's this like sort of underlying look at the refugee crisis in Greece and what's what's happening there and this movie looks at that along with the the retail clothing industry and how how basically horrible uh, the retail clothing industry is and how they you know use sweatshop labor and all of that stuff uh it's it's funny uh I enjoyed it it's heavier than you know the trip to greece but it's it's still uh pretty enjoyable and it has a crazy ending too i'm not gonna give it away but it has a really unexpected ending i think i do remember seeing a trailer for that and being like you know what that doesn't look too bad but i've always been intrigued by michael winterbottom as a director i like he just doesn't make sense to me he's directed like it seems like he directs like 20 movies a year yeah He's a busy guy. Like you don't find out. You don't find out about him until like four years after the fact. Yeah. And then you're just like, wait, he did 20 movies last year. He's a very busy guy. But yeah, but and also, most of them are not talked about, but some of them are. It's just he's such an odd career to me. I like his stuff. Like almost everything he does, I, I enjoy. I know. I've never. I, I don't think I've ever loved anything he's, he's done. I like things that he's done, but yeah. not enough that he stands out to me. That that's another thing is like he's not a director that I remember until someone brings him up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. He's directed 742 movies. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have like a distinct style or anything. Like you, yeah. If if you see one of his movies, there's like certain things about it, like. Like if Steve Coogan's <laughs> if Steve Coogan's in it and it's like a comedy that has these sort of dramatic elements, you could probably say as a safe bet that it's a, a winter bottom. But yeah. Other than that, it's yeah, it's kinda tough to pin him down. I'm uh working my way through the Chattanooga Film Festival uh releases this this weekend also. Now uh, if you're not familiar, the Chattanooga Film Festival has gone virtual this year. So if you're listening to this and today is the last day of the Chattanooga Film Festival. So if you're interested, you can still buy a $10 pass and get full access to all of the movies. Uh, that includes the features and the shorts that are uh, available. And there's some really good stuff. Um, I still have a bunch that I want that I want to watch and try to squeeze in this weekend. So I'll mention those next week. But uh, so far I watched the vice guide to Bigfoot, which is directed by Zach Lampew. What the vice guide to Bigfoot is, is it's a mockumentary about this uh, journalist for vice who is sent to Georgia to follow this Bigfoot hunter around and some pretty, pretty crazy things happen along the way. And it's, and fine there's there's some interesting things that happen in it it's funny that they that that it's sort of lampooning vice 
but obviously vice signed off on it because it's it uses actual like vice like uh brian iman is an actual vice correspondent and so like they 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 rip vice apart and it's just funny because it's they obviously signed off on it Uh, (laughs) um you know it's reminiscent of something like willow creek which uh, i remember that you and i were not huge not huge fans of this is it's not so much found footage as it is mockumentary though and there's some other things that happen that make it more entertaining and and complicate things a bit so i would uh maybe give it a a light recommend especially if you enjoy making fun of vice and how (laughs) freaking ridiculous they are there's there's some really funny stuff there's like a scene where he goes to williamsburg and interviews someone who makes artisanal antibiotics in williamsburg <laughs> it's just uh who did the, was that documentary now did they do one where they spoofed vice probably i think they did actually and it was great because <laughs> it was like like the Mexican drug cartels or something, and they kept sending vice people down. They kept getting murdered. Oh yeah, yeah. Sent back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, god. Vice is so ridiculous. They uh, are. Uh, the other one I saw was called Fulci for Fake, which is a documentary about the director Lucio Fulci, uh, who directed such films as Zombie and The Beyond and New York Ripper. Uh, pretty, pretty into this director. Uh, and this is kind of, um, a little bit of an experimental documentary where you, the, so the director hires an actor to portray Fulci. And then, but what he does is he has this actor go around and interview all of the people from Fulci's life, like coworkers and family members and such in order to portray him in these like reenactments mm-hmm. it i don't really get why they did it like uh, i'm just not sure what the point of it was honestly like it's they're trying to like deep dive into his into like fulci's life and his psyche and and understand him and his decisions as a director and stuff like that but i just don't understand why they did it like like what was the point because to me a lot of it felt like i I don't understand it didn't add anything really to to the the documentary and there were some like anecdotes that friends and family would tell that were like pretty boring (laughs) and so there it's not a documentary that necessarily worked for me and i'm a pretty big fan of fulci but like super fans might gain something out of hearing these stories about him but for me it was like i didn't really i found it to be pretty dull so Hmm. i can't really recommend fulci for fake i just wasn't wasn't that into it and the the experimental aspect of it didn't didn't really work for me either unfortunately okay let's talk about what we have on vod this week on the 26th, we have Funny Pains, 
which is a comedy about uh, stand-up comedians. We got mm. mm-hmm. we got girls just mm-hmm. want to have blood. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah, girls just want to have blood. Being a teenager sucks. It's a vampire movie. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. We got Celebrity Crush, some kind of horror movie. Uh, judging by the poster, it looks like they're trying to like looks like a Joker ripoff or something. Cool. Screened Out, which is a documentary. Uh, and then on the 29th, we have Papicha. That is a virtual theatrical release. We got We Are Many. Oh, sorry. For We Are Many, which is uh, looks to be a horror movie. We got Stage, The Culinary Internship. That is a virtual theatrical release, too. And that is... Uh, obviously a documentary end of sentence starring John Hawks and Logan Lehrman. Sometimes a wrong turn can get you to the right place. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Enjoy that. We got the vast of night. That's, that's going to be on Amazon. Yes. And debt collectors, which is uh, Scott Atkins action movie. Oh boy. Got a oh boy. I feel like we got a, we got a couple okay, got a couple of these uh, Scott Atkins movies coming down the pipe. Yeah. On Blu-ray this week, we have The Deer Hunter in 4K. Oh boy. From 1978. Classic. I'm kind of surprised that's not already in 4K. Yeah, Shout Factory is putting that out. Collector's edition. Okay. Escape from LA from 1996 is getting a new Blu-ray release. That's the, that's uh, that a Shout Factory? Yep, that is a Shout Factory collector's edition. I remember really loving Escape from L.A. I remember I saw Escape from L.A. before Escape from New York, and then when I saw Escape from New York, like years later, I was just like, "This is the same movie. It's the same exact movie." <laughs> it's <laughs> when you, when you see them, they're like, "This is this is pretty much the same thing." I remember the surfing scene in Escape from L.A. and just. It looks so bad. Yeah, but did did New York have a surfing scene? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So, okay, not the same movie. Jesus. Yeah, good point. We got The Invisible Man coming out in 4K as well. Uh, that's going to be on regular Blu-ray too. If you haven't checked that out, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Zombie is getting a 4K release. That's the Lucio Fulci movie from 1979. This is, uh, we got a box set from arrow this is the films of shinya sukamoto this is the guy who did the tetsuo the iron man series and uh tokyo fist bullet ballet this is like eight movies i think something like that yeah it's a this is a big big box set 754 minutes uh maniac from 1980 is getting a 4k release uh that was just on um last drive-in a couple weeks ago very disturbing. Very disturbing movie. <laughs> we got Before the Devil Knows You're Dead from 2007. That's going to be on Shout Factory as well. I remember being a big fan of that one. Blood, yeah. T- Blood Tide from 1982. That's going to come out on Arrow. Breeders from 1997. Better Off Dead from 1985. That's the John Cusack movie. Tommy Boy from 1995 is getting some kind of steelbook edition. Hell yeah. I should revisit that. Love that movie. Angela's Ashes from 1999 is getting a new Blu-ray release. 
That's pretty much it. What about Criterions? This is a big week for Criterion. They got three things coming out here. First of which is uh, Scorsese shorts. About five Scorsese shorts from the 60s and 70s getting its own release with a, a, you know, a bunch of uh, conversations and discussions and whatnot. You got Cassavetti's Husbands from 1970, which I'm really looking forward to. And then the one that uh, surprised me when they announced it, and it still doesn't really make sense to me, is Paul Dano's debut, Wildlife. It's just weird to me that Paul Dano's movie that I don't really remember anyone talking about just popping up on Criterion. It is a little strange, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do remember some people giving it praise, but nothing like, nothing major. No, and it just looks milk toast beyond all belief. Just no thank you. No interest. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.